Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. Today's episode is audio from a show that I did with the Modern Craftsman podcast, I would say maybe a couple months ago. What those guys do, Nick and Tyler, they um, they host a show that's really around residential construction, workforce development, always promoting people to get into the trade. Uh, they're also about real craftsmanship. Some of the details they pay attention to is amazing. Some of the work they do is absolutely beautiful and they are worth checking out both from a podcast standpoint and then also check out Nick and Tyler on Instagram. I'll throw their handles in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Central Commercial Carpenters and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a Modern Craftsman Sunday Monday. night. Well, for, well, for the overachievers, it's Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, unless last week, last week we had um, a technical difficulty where we didn't get that thing uploaded until Monday afternoon, but you guys still were able to listen and share it immediately. This week. We have Joseph Kelly from Mass Construction Show podcast. He was a superintendent turned building inspector, turned building commissioner, turned building. He, he just in turned into a building. He turned into <laughs> Imagine. And that is the show, guys. Yeah. Um He didn't have much to say, but he looked good. Yeah. You know, glass storefront, you know. Uh but now he runs a consulting agency, Code Zoning uh, Construction Consulting. Um, we we get into a lot. We talk a lot about his role as a superintendent and how that started impacting his life uh, emotionally uh, to the point of back pain, which we later find out that there's more to the back pain story. Um, but I think it's a you know, Tyler, why don't you you, you dig into it because I feel like these are the ones that you really resonate with yeah i think he he just started digging into i think life perspective some and kind of why he's made the decisions that he has you know where he started out as as a young man and getting into this interest industry and what businesses and companies kind of use to dangle in front of him to keep him on board he realized you know that that's not necessarily what he wanted in life and it wasn't exactly what was bringing him happiness and he uh, he made a decision, you know, to try and figure out what he can do to get closer to to where he wanted to be long term, um, which ended up being a couple of job changes um, and then simplifying life and reducing the cost of his life. And he feels that he's at a spot now where, you know, he still needs work, but he's happier than he's been. Um, it was just a cool conversation. I think it's interesting to get people on who aren't, you know, necessarily pitching what they do or pitching his podcast or his consulting business. And he's just kind of speaking about him, some struggles that he's had, um, where he is, where he wants to be and, and what life looks like and happiness looks like for him right now. And I don't know, those conversations always intrigue me and I can relate to. So it's a good one. I, I enjoyed it. If it's not a, if you're more into the business ones, maybe, Maybe not your favorite episode, but if you you just want to get some life perspective, um, I think it's a really it's a really good lesson. All right, guys, let's get into it. So, Joe, uh, introduction for those that um, don't know who you are. You run a podcast. 
used to be a building inspector. Give us the rundown. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I fit nicely into any box, but superintendent for started out as a superintendent, got, you know, got a degree in construction management, building mostly high rises for the company was Lendlease. They, they go by Lendlease mm-hmm. now. They were Bovis Lendlease while I was there. Um, large scale, I would say in the mold of a Skanska or a Turner, that type of thing. Did that for eight and a half years, decided, um, I wanted, I wanted a break. I enjoyed coaching basketball. I enjoyed spending time with my wife. So many things that being a superintendent on projects like that to just not afford you the time to do. There was one time where I took a month off because you were very project based, right? When you were in the project, you had to live in that project and, Mm -hmm. You know, around that time, I also started getting migraines, which I was like, this probably isn't good for me. I think it was a little bit of, I was too young to have so much responsibility. How old were you? I left when I was 29. Okay. So from, you know, 21 to 29, I was there, but the last scope I had was probably a $30 million lab job that I was going to be the lead on. Because I just finished that, handled all the lab buildouts for a job for Merck Pharmaceuticals. It was a ground-up job. Mm. And I think because the industry is so, so shorthanded, and you guys probably experienced the same thing. Um, I mean, this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. It's not why I'm saying it. But if you're, not even if you're awesome, but if you're good at your job and you get things done, they give you more. Yeah. So I remember getting you know, the general super on the job told me, okay, you'll have the labs and then it, but you won't have the BL3 lab. That's that really complicated lab. And, and that was it. So I had the labs and then pretty soon it was like, okay, well, we need you to take the BL3 lab too. And then, you know what, we need you to take the head block, which was this three-story building that was attached to the big building. And then next thing you know, I had the loading dock, which had acoustical ceilings and just like mind numbing, mechanicals going through it and the mechanical coordination was just off the charts. And, mm. um, so I kept getting more and more responsibility. And that's the time when I started getting some headaches. Cause I think I was just too young to have good perspective. Cause y- y- you know how it is. Like you guys work for clients that are probably relatively demanding. And when you're young, you like when your boss tells you that, you know, we have to be done by Thursday. Like you think that's real, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and you're young and you don't get it. And like, so you're just constantly stressed to meet these deadlines. But if you've been around the block enough times, you know, like, okay, yes, that says we need to be there by Thursday, but we have three weeks after that and we're okay. And I think I didn't manage that stress well. I wanted to learn something new. I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to be doing this when I'm 60 years old chasing subcontractors around and just grinding and, Hey, we got a fire alarm to nest test tonight. You know, it starts at seven. We'll be there, you know, seven to 10 and then be on the job site at five the next morning. It was just, um, it, it wasn't what I was, what it wasn't, I was not what I was looking for. So I took a job as a building inspector, show up at eight, leave at four. It was an unreal culture shock. I was like, you know, I was there early. I'm the only person there, yeah. you know, and then come 
four o'clock, the analogy I always use was like for, uh, I'm old, so this is going to ring a bell, but for the young folks, they might not get it, but it was like the Flintstones cartoon for me where the whistle would blow at the end of the day and everybody would just slide down their dinosaurs and go home. That's what it was like at the building department, four o'clock, the whole place emptied out and I was standing there and I was like, where'd everybody go? You know, and I'm looking at like, my boss. There's still like, 17 people in line. Yeah. You know, and my boss is like, what are you doing here? And I was like, why don't you go home? I'm like, well, I'm not done what I'm doing. He's like, it'll be there in the morning, <laughs> you know? And, um, but that allowed me to coach basketball and do a bunch of other things, um, that I, that I'd always wanted to do and wanted to spend more time with my family. And I looked at it as, uh, this was a chance to learn. Actually, let me just shut the window. I have the window open, but I think there's some noise happening. Who's behind you, Nick? Doug? Doug? <laughs> Sneaking in in the plaid. Uh, hold what? on. Be- before you keep going, Joe, um, sure. Tyler, did, did he did his audio spike for you? Like no. Two minutes ago? No? No. Okay, maybe it's on my end. All right. Yeah, you've been showing a weak signal, Nick. At least it on uh, my thing. Sometimes it goes red. Right now it's kind of yellow. Okay. But all right, I'll keep an eye on it. Just making sure we weren't getting an audio spike on the recording. That's all. No worries. Um. All right. So I, I was looking at it as an opportunity to learn. Uh, you know, I wanted to learn about the code. I figured I was being paid to learn. So it was an opportunity to learn not only the code, but learn how to get a permit in the city of Boston learn about zoning in the city of Boston. So I kind of looked at it as in education. So I, I made the jump. I said, okay, better quality of life. I can learn some new things. From there, I went to the AGC, <clears throat> which is the Association of General Contractors for folks that don't know. And then from there, and while I was there, I managed all their their code committees and I sat um, in on a lot of the BBR, BBRS hearings, which are the people that write the building code. And then from there, went on on my own, and I now do code consulting and education for commercial construction companies. Going back, I just want to touch on something. <clears throat> Going back to the superintendent role, hmm. and you say that, you know, I understand what you're saying, like not patting yourself on the back, but when you're good at your job, you tend to get more. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wild to think that when you're not good at your job, they just supplement you with more people. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, yeah. kind of obviously seeing that going into the building department, like it's, that's the, un, that's, that is, in my opinion, the unfortunate part of the, the skilled trades gap or the lack of skilled worker. It's that the, the people like them that are taking advantage of the, the opportunity where it's like, I can just, you know, I can just go be a carpenter, a union carpenter and make X amount of dollars and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and there's always like, the, there's a, a low percentage of guys that go there and like want to, you know, you know, strive to, to be better and, and, and do a better job and, and be the very best. And it's, and, you know, I, I just remember when I left my career, which is when I met you, Yeah, when we met, yeah. <laughs> um, you were inspecting, uh, I'm using air quotes, my building, which mm-hmm. I was just, I was just a assistant project manager taking notes all day. Um, but I remember like, when I had left and, you know, I, I was the only guy on site. I was the owner rep. I was the assistant project manager, blah, blah, blah. We had a CM on the job. And then I left and a couple months went by and I went back to visit and like say hi to the guys. And I was like, 
who uh who'd you guys end up hiring you know to replace me and they're like oh yeah well uh mike bob and steve are, are running it now and i'm like <clears throat> i'm like what i'm like i know those guys definitely made more money than i did and you have three of them running the job i'm like and you know at that moment it's just like i i, I immediately thought i was like was i like trying too hard or working too hard and it was just being taken advantage of i think it's just purely they need to get stuff done yeah and if you can be that person that can solve their problem they're going to go to you because frankly all those sections that i was telling you that kept getting tagged on Mm -hmm. were other people's sections right and they just weren't getting it done. Yeah, I think that that's fair to say that. I don't think it was necessarily like, hey, these, you know, Nick's better than three guys. It wasn't about me. It was, I think you're right. I think it's, if stuff's getting done, nothing changes. When stuff needs to get done, they supplement. Did you, and, did, you didn't realize or you didn't feel overworked that you spoke up about it, Nick? Uh, no, it, I never, uh, no, I've never, I never felt overworked. I, I was always focused on like what my next path was at that company. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I know my, what like at Rachel's old job, she ran into that a ton where she'd start with, you know, a list of responsibilities for that job and it would grow, grow, grow. And they would grow what they were doing. And she would just keep, you know, putting, they would just keep putting more and more on her plate and she'd ask for an assistant and they wouldn't get her an assistant. Um, but then they would, they would kind of put other resources towards other areas where people just weren't doing the work. And it's mm-hmm. like, so is that the answer how to get more help by just not getting done what you have to, um, because, you know, getting done what you have to and stepping up and kind of handling all of your duties is almost just like, oh, well she can handle that. So we'll just keep throwing more at her rather and like making her life more hectic rather than trying to, you know, lessen things for her. Um, they kind of put their resources towards where they need it rather than where the people need it. Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't know your wife, but I would venture to say that would be really hard for her. I think the people that do that are just wired. I, I would have had a really hard time to let things fall by the wayside yeah, as a way to hope like that would probably make me more stressed out. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's like, if somebody speaks up and is like, Hey, there's too much on my plate right now. And you just like, don't give them any sort of resources to help that and then continue to add to it. That's kind of mind blowing. And I think that that, that is what happens with a lot of people in business um, where, you know, it's like, well, they handle this and we put this much more in them and they were able to handle that. And it's like, well, that's our best option. So let's just keep doing that. Mm. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's a struggle. I think everybody just wants to get, wants to get things done. And. But you think that now, right? Not like when you were a super, that wasn't your mindset. well, I don't think it's my mindset, but I think it's more, it's, it's human nature mm-hmm. to need to get this, especially as a construction professional and as a superintendent, your job is to like, how do we get this thing across the finish line? And we often use phrases like we're going to drag everybody across the finish line, mm-hmm. you know, work 24 set, whatever we got to do. Like we're going to, you know, bring an extra manpower. There's all this, like all these analogies about 
how we're going to physically do something instead of more intelligently do something. Right. right. So what do we have to do to grind it? Like I, I always got more raises. Anytime I was like, I'm getting like slammed here. They were like happily giving me more money. There was right. never a fight. It was just like, get more done. Like, yeah. Like here. Joe came and said something today about his job. Give him, give him money. Yeah. Like that was their fix. Right. right? And it's so short sighted. And I think if it was managed better, I'm, I may have stayed there longer. I'm glad I didn't, yeah. but, um, Hey, Nick, can you see Tyler's face? No, he always sits like that. Okay. All right. I just I only saw half of him. And I, <laughs> you know how it's hard to see like somebody's expression. I like to kind of. Can you can you move your screen back? See what they're saying? Or you're on the desktop. There you go. Oh, there we go. Nice. I always have my microphones on a stand though. So it's still like right in front of my face, regardless of where I put it. Yeah. It's okay in front. I just was only seeing like your nose and lips and it was a very yeah. it was a odd conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the... yeah, I think that money, money is, is a very short sighted fix and it's a, it's a fix that works for a lot of people because most people just they're in it to kind of sustain and not necessarily grow and they get done what they have to get done and they, you know, they pack it up at the end of the day. So I think it is short-sighted when you're trying to build a specific type of, of team. But I think that that does quell a lot of issues by throwing more money at people. And, uh, you know, in, in an industry where there's turnover, that will keep somebody on board for quite a bit of time longer, um, even though if it's not the actual right fix to the problem. Yeah, I, I think it matters... <clears throat> where you are in your career as well, you know, not to sound like too academic here, but I remember in college, I always loved the concept of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you're, if, if someone's listening is not familiar, it's kind of where you are in life determines what will motivate you. So if you're young and you can barely make the rent, if someone gives you a $7,000 raise or $10,000 raise, that's what you need, right? If But if you're 60 and money's not an issue, everybody's out of the house and you have no mortgage and you're getting overworked and someone throws you 10 grand, you'd be like, I don't, it, like th that doesn't matter to that person because it's not where they're at. They might want the opportunity to be a mentor to somebody. Somebody might want a title. So depending on where you are in life will kind of determine what motivates a person. And I think, I was younger and I wanted a house. I was trying to save up to buy a house. So it was kind of, you throw some money at me, then all right, I'm just going to grind harder and get more done. And now I'm going to have a house someday. So I think you really need to look at where a person's at and that can decide what motivates them to do better or stay longer. But I don't think motivating them to grind something out is the answer it's not sustainable mm. it's a short-term short-term fix i think it's also tough with with bigger companies larger companies too where it's not that personal um mm -hmm. they're not looking into each specific case and individual that you know that is struggling or having an issue and what their personal um agenda is where it's just like to lump everything in where it's like hey if somebody complains give them more money or give them a title um, a promotion and they'll be happy for a little bit of time rather, you know, I feel like a, a smaller company or more personal company 
as the ability to kind of gauge their employees uh, a little more so and figure out who needs what, um, which obviously would create better company morale. But I think a lot of times it's it ends up being more work for those people where they're just like, yeah, throw money at them. If it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, we'll find somebody else, which is a shame because, you know, there are a lot of people who would stay places longer if they were treated better, but they end up bouncing around because it's just not a right fit for them. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, Tyler, because you don't, there's not the capacity when the company is that big, you're a number on a spreadsheet. Yeah. And we're talking about thousands of employees for someone to understand what's going on in your family or what truly motivates you is just, it's, it's, it's not within their ability. Their systems aren't built that way. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, the people that make those decisions, you know, it goes through three or four different people to get those approvals in the first place. So the yes or no may be coming from somebody who has no idea who that person they're saying yes or no to is in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's almost like inhumane. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's cattle. You're a number and you're, and it would, I remember even sometimes some of the raises where they would say, well, we can't give you any more money because you're a super one and the super one gets paid between X and Y. Right. And you're like, okay, but if I'm doing three times what that person is over there, like whatever, they're like, all right, well, we're going to have to give you a promotion. I'm like, okay, like this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, but that promotion, that means you're going to have to handle, you know, 20 projects, not just 10. Yeah. And you know what? That's a big reason I work for myself now. I, and and this has nothing to do with the money. This We happen to be talking about the money. Sure. Um, as a, it's more about like the motivation thing. Right. But I really struggled with that corporate nonsense meetings that were just uncalled for like, Mm -hmm. okay, well we can't give you a raise because you have such and such a title and just there'd be all this absurdity. And I said, this is ridiculous. You just hired somebody off the street through a headhunter, paid them a absurd amount of money. They're horrible at what they do. But because I have a certain age or a certain title, then I can't be compensated that way. And that's just, it's silly to me. And, you know, you continue to see that. And eventually, I just said, I don't want to play that game anymore. That's exactly yeah. what it is, though. It's just like, if if you play the game, you'll be successful. But you have to play the game, right? Yeah. It's soul-sucking, though. It it's is. soul-sucking to play that game. Um, and... I kept pushing back more and more and I think people looked at it as, Oh, I'm being an asshole or excuse, can we swear on this by the way? Yeah. All day. Okay. You know, <laughs> look at it as like, Oh, Joe's being an asshole or whatever. I said, no, like the, this is foolish. Everybody agrees it's foolish, but we're all going to do this dance because for, for what? Because right. they say we're supposed to. And um, I think that really demoralizes people and, forces them to, you know, want to go different routes, whether it's work for a smaller company or go out on your own. And, um, it, it's funny as much as we talked about money, like money is so low on my priority list. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy just with my autonomy. So if you look at but, that hierarchy of needs, I needed autonomy. And your, your reference earlier, um, with the hierarchy, 
the, and, and around money and like needing rent and things like that. I agree with that. But I also think that the, the money is higher up on the hierarchy when you're not doing, when it is soul sucking, when you're not doing something that you really want to be doing. Where yeah. like a lot of these guys are in these jobs and they're, you know, men and women, whatever, they're in these jobs and they don't, you know, they don't love it, but they're not, they're not going to take the risk and go work for another small company because they're making good money and they'll just continue to take that money and be short sighted. And it's like, they, they're, they are demoralized, but it's like, but the money's there and I'm going to keep climbing and playing the game because I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Like I struggled with the same thing when I had worked in that, that realm is like, Hmm. it was a very much hurry up and get it done mentality. We'll fix it later it'll be a we'll deal with it in warranty like you just everyone kicks the can down the road as far as they can and then they cross the finish line it's like no that's warranty now and plow ahead yeah and it's just like you said everyone drag you got to drag them across the the finish line and at that time it was about money for me i was like looking at every avenue i was i was literally inviting myself to these meetings that were like for the guys that were in higher positions than me. I remember I went out and bought a suit like this sounds so stupid now, but I went out and bought a suit and went to this meeting and I sat down at the table with my company. They're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, I, I, I just, I think I told him I got invited. I was like, I was invited. They're like, Oh, okay. And it was like some sort of like developer side. And they started talking about like what my career was going to be and like what my, what my path was going to be. And I was like, I was like, honestly, I think I'm going to go back to school, get my MBA. And they're, and they're all like, really? I had no idea what I was talking about. Yep. I was just going with the flow and like, you know what? I'm just going to keep riding this and pl- I'll play the game. And I want, you know, if it, you know, I'll be, I'll be at the top tier. Cause I was looking at these guys like that were working and they're flying across the country and nice cars, nice suits. And like, they're doing you know, like, but they're still in construction and they, you know, they're, they're a badass. And finally got to a point where I just re- like, I, I caught myself where I was Mm. like, this is not what I want to be doing. And it was for me, it was when we hit finish in these jobs because I was so, I was always so focused on finish where Mm. it's like the, the structural side, the mechanical side, I was like, you know, while yes, it was mind numbing and talk about noises and EDM. Like I remember Mm. the, the coordinator would listen to electronic music on literally full blast and he'd just be in there working in bim modeling the entire building just to uh, numb his existence yeah <laughs> his, his name was blake so if blake's listening to this i feel like he might listen to this podcast and he he was one of my favorite people but the like all of that stuff was really interesting the structure was inter- interesting the, the foundation work the it was just it was at a level that i've never seen before and then it's like we get to the end and we're throwing in cabinets from company in texas that it literally costs 1500 bucks for the whole kitchen i'm like man i'm like i've this i've lost i've lost all my excitement and that's when i was like you know what i'm this isn't for me and that's when i went out and started my own company you're really lucky that you recognized it young enough because i think part of you know you talk about i could have chased that for a a decade yeah easily yeah, where it's going though is you talked about how um, if you don't love your job, the money can can matter, but it's also not it can control you. Yeah, because you if you stayed in that longer and your expenses got to a place mm-hmm. 
where you're just maintaining that lifestyle, then that's even even further autonomy that mm-hmm. you lose. Right. Um, but it was, was like say, I was so I was so removed from who I w- wanted to be. Like I'm buying a suit mm-hmm. to go hang out with people that I don't know what they do for work, but I want their job, so I'm telling them I'm going to get an MBA. And it's like I'm yeah. going home googling like what does an MBA really mean and like do I really need that for that job? And it's like I was doing it because I wanted to climb the ladder and and at the time I felt as though I was going to cuz I I dealt with similar things where you know they would bonus in a structure it, it was a, a scale structure and I ended up getting like my, my boss ended up giving me like a, a perfect score and they retra- they wanted to retract my bonus because you quote unquote, can't get a perfect score. Oh, that was, and I was like, I was like, so, and they were like, and, and they, and I remember the conversation like, well, it's not fair to all the other guys in that his position. It's like, who gives a shit about those? Like, yep. And, and I, I started making, enemies in 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 the company and people were being promoted because i was being promoted and it was like this wild thing it's like that what is his well he's been here for 10 years and you've only been here for three that's the nonsense i'm talking about right yep so it's like you know yes i i see how like the money can because they offered me a substantial amount of money to stay and it was only for a quote-unquote short amount of time Mm-hmm. And and listen, I, I'm not bad mouthing this company. Like I, I loved working for them. I, I left on a great term. I don't want that this to come off the wrong way. But mm-hmm. like th- the enticement was, hey, can you stay 90 days and we'll give you, you know, this chunk of this chunk of money, a substantial amount. I, I think it was like another 30 percent on my salary. Mm-hmm. And everyone told me to to stay. Everyone's like, do it. Just start your business later. Like that's a huge chunk of money. It would be great to put that in the bank. And I was like. No, um, I just all set because because what's going to happen is in three months I'm going to they're going to same thing, yeah. Because like because that that piggy bank isn't empty yet. They're 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 just trickling some some change out of it. Stringing you along, they're breadcrumbs. Yeah, <laughs> going, and the witch is waiting in the in the house in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> but no, and you're right. It's not them. It's what we talked about before. It's just how those companies are built. Right. You know, they're they're built in that in that fashion and 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 you are really lucky that you that you held to that and and got out and it, i was going to say just between us but obviously we're recording a podcast so it's not between it's us like anymore seven but, people that listen to this so. yeah I, I used to listen to this oh, i still listen to it it's a rob wolf podcast and when he first started out I, I used to listen to him when i would have to plug in my ipod to my computer to download podcasts so I, I think it's been a long time. Were back then. <laughs> yeah, um, and he used to say he used to always say six listeners can't be wrong, you know. But <laughs> uh, but where was I going with all this? Um, He's lucky that he got out when he did. Yeah, you, yeah, because that money really can tie you. And I I was fortunate enough that early on I knew that happiness was was the driver. So I tried to be hyper-focused on keeping my expenses low. So I was never at the mercy of anybody so that I could always walk away if I needed to. So when I took the job and left where I was working to go to the city, I made less than half of what I was making before. Mm-hmm. And I had my boss on the way out who I'd known for years. And I don't... 
I don't think he meant it in a bad way, but he called me stupid because you're, he's like, you're stupid. Like, I don't know why you would ever do that. You're walking away from something fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to this day that I, that I did and that I could afford that, that mm-hmm. I was in that place and not that I was wealthy, but I just really, you know, watched those expensive expenses. And I think ever since then, really every career decision I made was centered around what will make me happiest and what will this job open me up for in the future. Mm -hmm. So what can I learn here that will put me in a better position for the next one to get to the place where I can have the autonomy that I'm looking for. And I've been lucky enough that those experiences eventually paid off to get me to where I want it to be from an autonomy standpoint. At what what point did you realize that it was more about happiness than it was about money? Is that something you always knew or something that you learned like throughout the course of that first job? Throughout through that first job, it really, it, it really hit home. I think I had such an aversion to the corporate environment, but when you first get into that, it's very enticing. Right. Like I remember even going when I was graduating from school as a, you know, you're a kid when you graduate from college and there was companies flying me to St. Louis to interview. I'm like, like that was just like mind boggling to me. Like they're going to pay for me to fly out there and stay in a hotel and pay for my meals and everything to go interview. Like that's enticing to a 20, 21 year old. Um, and then like Nick was saying, you start to see these people with these positions and, um, you know, the money they make and really nice offices. And you at first think that that's going to determine your happiness. And I think I was lucky enough real quick to be like, wait a minute, like that guy's not happy. He's got all this. And I would talk to different supers and be like, well, if you don't like this, why don't you just leave? And he's like, I can't. He's like, I just bought a $650,000 home. I got two kids going and I'm like, Oh, like, I don't want to be trapped. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Um, so from then on out, it was about how can I put myself in a place that I don't ever end up trapped. And even my last job that I left, um, I felt good enough that I had had enough experience and enough knowledge that when I would push, push back against let's just call it senior management. I was never afraid because I always was like, oh, I can walk out tomorrow and have a job as a superintendent. I could have a walk out tomorrow and be a building commissioner somewhere. I was, it was really about trying to have that and I can take a pay cut tomorrow, which I think is, is, is huge. It's, I think that, <clears throat> that there's a couple of tough things with that today and for kids today is one, the cost of living is so outrageous for kids today where they they have to focus so much on money and what's going to make them money you know so they don't have to live at home so that they can they can kind of keep up with everyone else who has everything nobody <clears throat> with I mean, it's all it's it's all um i feel like kind of intertwined based on social media and everyone putting projecting themselves as being super successful and nobody showing their bad side um but it, it is true that the cost of living right now, I even know, you know, when I got done school 15 years ago, the cost of living versus what our parents had to go through 
um, based on, you know, the difference between the increase in cost of living and how much more you're making in salary. It just, it was very skewed. It it wasn't like a parallel, um, it it didn't raise the same. um, So I think that kids now and, and kids nowadays, they do have to kind of pay attention to that and they do have to make a lot of decisions based on financially what they're what's going to make them be able to survive um and you couple that with the the pressures and the societal pressures of what social media and all that crap does and kids take jobs that basically and then and then adopt this lifestyle that's basically like putting on these golden handcuffs that they can't take off and now it's like i you know i bought the new car i bought the house I bought, whatever it may be. And they're like, I can't go, I can't take a pay cut. I'd have to move back home. You know, I, I'd have mm-hmm. to give up this lifestyle that I've kind of portrayed me living. Um, and they're not willing to do that. And they're kind of not able to do that. So they get stuck in this, this vicious cycle and they don't realize, you know, that happiness isn't necessarily all that crap that you can buy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it truly is kind of what you make of it and it comes from within. And it's also, uh, you know, it, it's a temporary state of mind, um, that all those things can, can bring you, you know, a momentary fix of happiness, but it's not like you're not happy all the time. Um, yeah. and I, I think, you know, that, that, that kind of creates issues with the generation that's coming up right now. Yeah, that's such a dangerous trap, though, because I'm not minimizing and saying, oh, hey, it's easy. I get it. It's expensive. It's expensive for me and even now. Um, but it's the matter of at first, yes, you that, that going back to the hierarchy of needs. In the beginning, that cash means a lot because you might want to buy your first home or condo or move out of your parents' house, whatever that is. Like, I, I get that. And you have to make those sacrifices but I think where the question is, is when you do start making some money, are you upgrading your house? I remember there was a pipe fitter apprentice um, on the first job I was on. And there was a boatload of overtime. He was making great money for an 18, 19 year old. And he had an F-350 and a boat and all this stuff. And I remember thinking, like, is he insane? Because what happens when he gets laid off? Right. When things slow down and I think about it and say, if he had just started banking money, imagine being 18, making, you know, and this was 20 years ago, being 18 and banking north of 100K as a pipe fitter. Like if, if he saved for five or six years and right. then started spending like an idiot, I mean, then he, then he would have been fine. But um, so it's a dangerous, dangerous trap. And I mean, if anything people can do to stay out of that, it's just, you know, not that I'm perfect. I made loads of mistake, but out of anything that I've, I've done, it's really not going down that route has really allowed me, um, to be happier in general. And I'd take the happiness over the cash any, any day of the week. It's, it's just tough because I think that the metric for success these days is how much money you make. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's it's hard to um, to resist that, and to be you have to be willing to be uncomfortable too. Like we all probably feel it. Like I have people like when I say that I'm in construction, like you get the look, and you know, and 
I had someone, I I was at a party and I was talking and someone asked what I did. And I said, I do co-consulting, zoning consultant. I do education for construction companies. And the guy said something along the lines like, oh, well, it must be difficult, like trying to teach to people that aren't really like, uh, you know, sophisticated or whatever. I was like, do you have any idea how ignorant you sound right right now? (laughs) Um, it's like I know a pipe fitter that made over a hundred grand a year. Yeah, he had a boat, ago. but that's yeah, not yeah. the point. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah, and he happened to be, be stupid, but still, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think is it's fighting, it's fighting those perceptions, and it's willing to be uncomfortable. And when I first, you know, started mass construction, I was I said, okay, how do I keep my expenses down in case this doesn't go right? And I found a Honda Civic that I could lease for ninety nine bucks a month. And, you know, yes, I might pull up to some barbecues or whatever, and everybody's driving super nice cars, and I'm not, but, like, I'm, I'm willing to to be uncomfortable because I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to to not have those things and, and be able to, you know, at 11 o'clock, if I want to go out in the garden with my son, I can go do that, mm-hmm. and that's up to me. And, yeah, does it mean that I make a little less money? Sure, but um, I'll take that autonomy over uh cash any day of the week i think i wonder you know if i mean it definitely has to come with age and maturity as well right because you you spend your entire youth and adolescence looking to um kind of impress girls or impress your parents Mm -hmm. or make people proud and then you get then high school and it's it's based on what college you get into and what your grades look like and what your gpa is and if you got scholarships and then it's the first job and what firm hired them and what their starting salary is. And Mm -hmm. at at what point are people, you know, I, even now, you know, I'm 35 and most people in town and everything else, it's like based on what type of car you drive and how big your house is and how much, you know, your, your household income is and what you can afford. And I'm, I'm getting to the point at 35 and having an eight year old and a five year old that I'm realizing I want to be financially secure and I want to give them um, an upbringing that they don't feel underprivileged. Like I don't want them to feel as though they can't fit in if they want to, um, or, you know, that they don't have what other people have, you know, that they can earn that if they want that. But I, uh, I also don't, I don't, I don't want to hand them everything. Um, But I'm getting to the point now where it's like, I'm comfortable not having everything and really having what we need and enjoying what we do have. And I'm less concerned about, you know, making money to be able to have shit as Mm -hmm. much as making money to be able to save it and to be able to, you know, give them a life they deserve and to have like time Um, where it's like, for me, the money is one thing, but having the, like you said, the autonomy or the independence on a random Thursday to be like, I don't want to work today and be able to do that. Um, that's been far more valuable and rewarding to me than any lump sum of money that I've ever made. Yeah. That, that time autonomy. And then I would say even security, like, cause that, that's what it is, right? You're secure enough that you can take that day off and realize that, you know, we all work for ourselves and we eat what we kill. Yeah. If we're not hunting on Thursday, we're not getting paid. And I think once you get that security that comes with 
both reducing your outflow of money and being able to get a little bit of a nest egg, you then have the happiness that comes with, with that stuff. I mean, a, a great example of it is in just how like all these things really are a dangerous trap. It's funny, like every year we get this little advent calendar from my son and cause we don't want him to have candy. We get this Lego one and each day he is just thrilled to go down in the morning and open and it's a little tiny Lego piece. It's not a big spaceship. It's just something simple. And every morning it was like the most wonderful thing in the world. And then we started getting all these presents coming in and said, rather than having them all open on Christmas day, let's have them start to open some of them now. So we started opening presents. As soon as we started opening presents the next morning, he wasn't running to the advent yeah. calendar. Right. And he opened it, he put it out and he never even put the thing together. So it was just a good way to say, Oh, good way. Like a good example of, um, you know, more is not better. He was happy with those. He was yeah. stoked with those little things. And then it was ruined because he got flooded with all this overload of crap. And then he didn't, then he wasn't happy with that anymore. So it's like, as much as anyone, if there's a lot of young folks that are listening, as much as you can reflect and kind of control that, I think it really helps put you in a place that Tyler's talking about where he can take a day off and, and not chase those things. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's taken me at this point, you know, at 35, I'm just, you, and you hear people say it all the time, um, you know, growing up, um, that money can't buy you happiness and you know that your time with your family is fleeting and you have to enjoy it and it goes fast and all of the you can't take it with you and up until this point in this past year and you know some circumstances that we've gone through that have made us realize there's more important crap um it never really clicked like you always hear that stuff and it makes perfect sense to you but it's almost unrelatable and when you get to the point where you can actually relate to that and that makes sense um, and you you have to, for me, I had to be financially secure enough to not sweat doing that as well, mm -hmm. right? So there, there is like a financial aspect to that where, you know, a couple of years ago, it's like, well, I'm going to take off on a Thursday and tell these customers I'm not coming in last minute and then they're not going to give me a good review and then I'm not going to get business from it. Where right now I'm just like, I don't care. Like I took a day off for mental health to be with my family, whatever it may be, just like you guys can do that at your job. If you now had a bad experience because of me that like, then I'll just find somebody else to work for, you know, but it, it takes, it takes a lot to get to that point. And I think it's, it's self-confidence. It's, it's esteem. Um, you know, it's being financially secure and, and getting to the point in your life where, you're not looking to necessarily impress everyone. You know, to add to that, sorry, Joe, like just to add to that, you know, the, the side of being like financially free or, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. I, I while I agree with it, the part of about it that I disagree is that money, what money does do is give it, it allows you freedom. And you, you kind of wrapped up what you were just saying with that is, you know, whether and that doesn't mean that you need to make a lot of it, but in the world, the society that we live in, you know, money is our currency for freedom. 
and the more the more money that you have tends to equal the more freedom that you you are allowed to or or that you that you have the opportunity to give yourself some don't but you know with little money creates little little freedom and you're you're strapped by that so i think that's important to know and like going back earlier it's like you know everyone defines success as like how much money they have and it's you know it, oftentimes it is but you know along the same lines it's it's about the freedom and i think that i guess my point is like there there is absolutely a financial aspect of freedom which freedom then creates happiness because you are free to do what you want whether it's gardening with your son at 11 o'clock in the afternoon or taking a day off for mental health or whatever the case is it's you know the sooner that you can figure out how to create you know personal freedom you know again doesn't have to doesn't mean that you're making a million dollars a year you could be making ten thousand dollars a year you know but have but living the lifestyle that is paired with that that allows you to have that freedom yeah i think it really boils down to security and what you just described right like is there's a huge financial component to security some of that is how much you're making and then how much you're spending. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other element to security is your willingness. Like we've all been that way, right? Which is we want praise from the outside. And the minute you can kind of, in the way society is, you get praise for being really good at what you do or making a lot of money or having a nice car or having a lot of followers. And if you need that validation, then you can become as quickly a slave to that as you are to money. So I think having the security in yourself and the financial security gives you that ability to not worry about what the neighbor's driving for a car and, you know, not have to run over on a Friday night to bend over backwards for a client because they're being unreasonable. Right. You have that security that, no, I don't need to do that. And if that client wants to walk away, that's, that's their business. So, um, and that's not easy. I'm not claiming it is like I, it took a long time to get to the place where I was not looking for validation from outside people mm -hmm. or not feeling like embarrassed if I didn't, you know, meet some standard. So it took a little while, but like, to me, it's, it's gold. It's an unlock to, um, where in your Being career happy. were you when you realized, like when you felt as though you've let that go? Late thirties, I really let it go. Cause were you a building inspector still? Um, just after that, just after that, um, because I think I had enough experience that I knew I could always have a job, a mm. lot of different jobs if I wanted. So that was the first one. And then like taking the step out of the corporate thing and spending the time in the building department and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm happier not killing myself. And I always worked hard. I would just do stuff outside of work. I'm mm -hmm. not, I am far from not a hard worker. I probably, I definitely do too much, take on too much, you know, doing the podcast. I spend a day and a half a week on the pad podcast on top of my day job. So I like, this isn't about not working. It's just more about working on 
on my own terms. But yeah, I would say after that, I felt secure enough that from a job perspective that I knew I was always going to do fine from a work perspective. And then I think, like Tyler said, with age, you just kind of realize um, that it's not the end of the world if people aren't uh, accepting you into their clique or, you know, singing your praises. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can have that kind of self-confidence, then it becomes a lot a lot easier. But I'm not saying uh, like I'm, I've got it all figured out. I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. But I just now pay more and more attention to that rather than trying to achieve more in the business. And oddly, I think when you do that, you do achieve more on the work side because you're just more um, at ease. Yeah, I think even that, you know, that mindset does transition into um, having a healthy business mindset too, where you're comfortable and confident enough in your services and your product that you can kind of gauge and sense an unrealistic customer and detach yourself from that rather than being, you know, immersing everything that you have into making that customer happy where it's like, I, I know that I do a good job and I know that I treat my customers fairly and that I'm doing the best that I can. And if somebody's just unhappy, like that's not on me anymore. I'm not going to spend the next six weeks here losing sleep and figuring out how to make this person happy where they're just not happy. It has nothing to do with me, you know, but that takes a long time of being in business to be able to say like, Hey, I'm fulfilling contractually what I agreed to morally, what I kind of stand for. And I'm doing the best job that I can with the resources that I have. Um, and this person's just not being fair and realizing that that's not something that you have to own. Um, mm. you know, that took me a long time as well. And I think that that's kind of the same type of mindset that I guess, you know, it, it happens personally. And then I think that it ends up kind of manifesting itself through business as well, where it's like, I don't need to kiss every one of my customers asses. Like, that's not what it's about. Um, <clears throat> I don't kiss my own family's ass. So like, why am I spending all of my time and energy trying to make my, my customers happy at the end of the day? Like if I die tomorrow, my customers are just going to go find another contractor. You know, my family can't go find another dad. Dad. Yeah. When did you, it's funny. I was, it's you, you, you beat me to the punch. I was going to ask you, like, did you get to the point where you felt like you understood yourself well enough to understand your flaws? Cause I think that was part of it with me. Like I eventually realized that I am a people pleaser yeah. by, by nature. And that caused me a lot of stress because I was just constantly trying to keep everybody happy. Um, and just it it burnt me right and but that's why you end up good at what you do because you want everybody happy and you're working really hard to keep everybody happy did, did you feel like you got to a point where you recognized who you were yeah and... but i i think it started early for me you know i think around like the age of 23 or so i started kind of reflecting internally on who i was and trying to gauge that and not that I really made that much headway at that point. And you're, you're, I feel like in those years are such formative years that you are changing so much. But I think that I probably started 
realizing, you know, the issues that I have and the personality type that I have and, and what it lends itself well to and what it does not lend itself well to. And although I didn't have the answers and I didn't necessarily go about it the right way all the time, at least I was aware uh, and kind of cognizant of that. And I think, you know, the past 12 years, um, I've, I've made forward progress and it's, if you look at the big picture, um, some years weren't as much as others, but I think if you look over 12 years, like the self growth and everything, um, you know, I hope to continue along that path, but I would say the last year or two have been the biggest for me, especially with COVID hitting and then like being overworked and customers kind of having unrealistic expectations of things and me, me not changing. I'm still doing things the same way that I did. Um, and I think, you know, I, I worked myself so hard that I was getting sick, um, and having, you know, having to go to the hospital, um, and not, not really understanding why. And it kind of took that twice last year to be like, what the hell am I doing? Like, what's this all for, you know, where, Mm. and then, you know, with my wife being home and working from home and everyone's schedules, she's asking me if I could, if I could leave work to get home and do this to help with the girls because she has a meeting. And like, I don't know how many times over the past year and a half, I've been like, nah, that's it. And she's like, no, it's fine. If you can't make it work, I'll make it work. And then if I'm home, if a customer were to call me and ask me like, Hey, I need something done today. I would always just drop what I had to do and do it. And there'd be no questions Mm -hmm. asked. And I just had this realization where it's like, I'm putting my customers and my work before everything in my life. And Mm -hmm. like those customers are only there because they need something from me. Like, I I think that, you know, I do have a good personal relationship with a lot of them, but if not all of my customers, you know, if I stopped working for them, I would ever hear from them again. It's because they need something from me. And like, I'm fine with that, but it's not a friendship in the general, like, sense of the word um you know if i moved away i probably wouldn't hear from these people um and i realized that i'm putting these people in my life before myself and before my family and i i was just like i'm kind of done with that and i can still make money and and just not have that mental anguish and that anxiety to make everyone happy and put them before myself and my family but I think it was probably the past the past year and a half, two years that I really was like, "Fuck this." Yeah, I listened to that episode you did. It was it was excellent. Um, Thank and, you. Yeah, and it's funny. I don't. I'm gonna be completely candid. I don't listen to a lot of your episodes. I'm kind of a person that looks and will pick and choose. Yeah, what I do because. Uh, I'm not in your wheelhouse, right? I'm not doing residential carpentry. I'm not doing residential construction. I don't love carpentry. So like, I like to look at the stuff you guys put out yeah. and every once in a while something strikes me, but that's not my world, right? I'm in the commercial construction world, but I can really relate. Oddly enough, it might've only been like a month before I did a similar episode because I was experiencing the same thing where I was having physical pain that was symptomatic of stress. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I learned in the past where like I had a tie with back pain that I had that was tied to like 
stress and trauma and all this other kind of stuff, not to get too deep, but, and I learned that, Hey, what mentally is happening affects me physically. And I was able to get rid of the back pain and, you know, I, I could barely pick up my newborn son at, at one point. And, you know, now I can do cartwheels and I'm out there and I'm jumping up on four foot walls just now when I was walking around the block before we did this and like, I'm fine, but it was all by like doing mental work. Um, so I really, uh, relate to what you're saying about how that stress can result in, in physical pain and that, I find it really helps because the physical pain can almost be a, a notification that something's wrong Mm -hmm. because I know I've historically, I just bury everything. I'm kind of, everything's fine. Nope. Like, Oh, like someone just got murdered or whatever. And then my best friend, like, yeah, I'm sad, but all right, what do you got to do? You got to keep moving forward and like, can't get dragged out. Like just bury it, bury it, bury it, bury it, bury it. But, and then all of a sudden your back hurts. Yeah. And, and all of like, a sudden, like, what is that? Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, I can't sit down. I have to stand the mm. entire day. Like, that's not right. Um, so, I, you know, it, it that stuff, it, it's funny. Um, I did a podcast with Mike Fish and this guy who's an accountant for him. They, uh, he owns Delbrook Construction. And they did a, a wellness challenge at their company. And one guy... And it was over, it was over a two year period, but they came out twice. He lost 120 pounds. And so much of our conversation centered around, first we were talking about how wellness should be part of the business world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just quickly showed how like being healthy and mental health and eating well and sleeping and stress management really allowed him to be a better father and then therefore a better employee. And at the end of the day, it was all, it all stemmed from like a mental place. Like you got to figure that stuff out. The technical stuff were, everybody's probably pretty good at it, you know, but if you can get that mental piece figured out, then you can thrive. You know, I didn't set goals until last year. I've been like slowly learning about, you know, how the mindset is important. Like I have to recognize that I am a people pleaser. I need to recognize that I ignore everything and bury everything and nothing's ever wrong. And I have to say, Hey, you know what? This is wrong. And I don't have to please everybody. And, you know, you can be successful and you don't have to kill yourself to be successful. And how can I do that? I can do that by, you know, setting goals. And, but so much of it is mental. I think that mental piece is what will separate people from the pack. Yeah. I think that society as a whole right now is basically like put everyone in survival mode where you don't, especially in our industry, we're all problem solvers. Like that's all we do every day Mm -hmm. long. And you will spend nights awake solving problems in your head or potential problems (laughs) in your head. And then it's like, how much time have you actually spent trying to sort out some of your own internal problems or issues where like you're just putting all of your time, energy, and resources into all of these external uh, things that have nothing to do with your kind of internal um, ground and making peace within yourself. And I'm so far from that, but I think that the way that everything is right now and the way that 
our society is and you know <clears throat> the way that people kind of portray themselves it's you're trying you're basically trying to keep your head above water so many days um and it just seems as though like you're treading water you're treading water and you're never really making progress and i think that if you can find something in your life or your business that can kind of make you feel as though you're finally standing on something and you don't have to tread water anymore that that mental health um or that mental clarity can actually make your physical well-being so much better. Um, I think that they're definitely both interconnected. But if you look at, you know, mental health issues and the the physical results of that are typically way worse than, you know, the, the other way around. And you, you can look at drug addiction, you can look at alcohol addiction, suicide, um, insanity, everything it all so much of that. And I know so much of my life and the way that I act and react and treat people, it all comes down to how I'm feeling internally and what my anxiety level is like. Um, mm. you know, even with the kids, like it gets to nine 30 at night and I just like, I can't take any more of them yelling and fighting and screaming. And like, I, I have patience for it all day, but when it's nine, nine 30 at night and I'm like, they should be asleep. I kind of lose all patience and my anxiety level just raises and I like have to have a serious conversation with them where it's like, Hey, I'm not feeling good right now. I need you guys to tone it down. And this isn't just like, Hey, you're making too much noise. Like you're really making me feel uncomfortable. Um, mm -hmm. and I kind of have to recognize that to be able to be a good dad and treat them well, or else I'm just going to blow up and be like, get the fuck to bed. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's nine 30 at night. You've been up, right now like it's just too much for us and it's uh it's tough but I, I i kind of do recognize those things within myself where it's like you you have to you have to find some sort of some sort of ground for yourself that really puts you on a basis to kind of get up every day and do what you have to do and remain level-headed yeah because if not you end up in just a vicious cycle because you blow up Right. Then what happens? You go to bed, you don't sleep well because you're fucking amped up and then you don't get enough rest. So you're hitting coffee and a fucking donut in the morning to, <laughs> to get yourself going. And then you're spiking your blood sugar. It's just a, and then you're short tempered and you're on highs and lows from the blood sugar. And then it's just a vicious cycle. I, I don't I understand why we do it. Like it's just because we've like normalized it, but I, I know that, but like, for example, like for me, if I wake up and I go to the gym first thing in the morning, my day, I have, I've never measured it, but exponentially better. Mm -hmm. I get more done. I'm more focused. I feel better. I feel a sense of accomplishment. I feel energized. I, and, and then I'm reaping the benefits because I'm in shape and like, mm -hmm. I think I look good. Like, like the long-term benefits. Yep. But it's still like this morning I wake up and it's like, all right, it's 4.30. I could go to the gym. Now I'll sleep. And it's like, why would I go to sleep? I know sleep's going to make me feel worse. And I know that my day isn't going to be as productive. I'm on my second coffee. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's, and, and we, you know, we're sitting here talking about like the mental side of it. And that's what it is. It's, it's, I, I think that the, the mind, I had this conversation the other day that, that, you know, if I were to ever get sick, 
that I'm convinced that I can cure myself by telling myself that I'm going to beat this. Yep. And, and whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow myself to believe it's not. Even if it, if it ends up killing me, it doesn't matter. Like I'm going to beat this. This is, I'm not, because I think that, you know, unfortunately we just get to a point where we just kind of accept it, accept our fate. But we, but we, going back, it's like we constantly go through these cycles of like all these things I know I can do are going to make me feel better, mm, but I'm going to eat the donut instead. Yeah. I mean, you're like, I'm glad you went there. Cause I like, I already flirted with the edge of the fucking craziness, but, um, well, you listen to crazy noises that yeah. probably feel <laughs> your back. So, <laughs> yeah. um, there's a guy, Gabor Marte. And say that again, sorry. There's a he's an author, but he's also he's a doctor, uh, Gabor Mate. Gabor and, Mate. Yep, he wrote a book called When the Body Says No. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could also look him up, he has quite a bit of YouTube content. But him and this other guy, Dr. Sarno, um, both had the same um kind of theory, and it was really it's the stuff that I read that was able to for me to heal my back pain, mm-hmm. um, as well as a bunch of other pains that I had mentally. So I don't think, I think what you're talking about is, is spot on, but in Gabor Mate talks about how he would see, um, even different diseases that matched personality types. So people with autoimmune disease, uh, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or MS had certain personality types. Um, and after I was able to heal my back pain mentally, I started digging in more and I was, so I picked up his book and I read it and my dad has had rheumatoid arthritis since his mid thirties, like his hands are all deformed and he's like, it's, it's been, um, a rough sledding for him. Um, but I read that book and it described and under the chapter that covered rheumatoid arthritis, it described my father to a T what his personality was. And it, it, it was amazing. And it was like, it actually like physically affected me. I remember like getting kind of like the, like the mm. shakes while I was listening to this. Cause I think it just kind of was unlocking, um, the idea that, Hey, wow, this is all connected. And like we do the, his whole concept is, you get pain, and this is Sarno's concept too, is you get pain to avoid the mental pain you don't want to deal with. Mm. So when, we'll go there. So uh, my sister um, got cancer. She called me the week my son was born and said, hey, like I knew about this before, but I didn't want to ruin the birth. And, um, but it's not going to be long. So I, I don't want to wait. Um, and I went out and I got this crippling, I went out, she was in San Diego. I went out, stayed at her house. I stayed on like a tempur type mattress and I woke up and I was like, couldn't move, just locked up. And, um, and, and there's like that, that's a kind of the obvious tie. There was a lot more to it, but I didn't want to think about my sister was going to die. So your, his thing is your body will give you some other pain. And if you think about back pain, if you've ever had it, I don't know if either you guys have, mm. 
Can you think about anything else when you have back pain? No, <laughs> I, I, I always thought it was like people were bullshitting about back pain until I actually hurt my back. And it was like, yeah, I physically can't move. Yeah. And that's all you can think about. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be careful how I pick this up mm -hmm. because if not, there's going to be this knife in my back. And that's all you're thinking about. So you're not thinking about, you know, these other stressful things or traumatic things that you don't want to think about. Um, so if you're of that same mind, like I, I would check out Gabor Mate. He's, he's amazing. He also talks about addiction and he said, all addiction stems from trauma. And he says the, um, and I'm going to butcher it here because I didn't think we we're going to go. I didn't do any homework on this, but he says, um, the addiction is not the problem. It's the person's attempt at solving the problem. Mm. And he said that he worked in Vancouver, British Columbia, where like the problem we're having here in Boston with drug addiction and all that kind of stuff, it's tenfold there. And he worked in that place. And he said he did not see anybody that was drug addicted that didn't have trauma, whether they were sexually abused or whatever it was. He's like, it all stemmed from trauma. And this was their way to numb the pain. And he goes, the only way you fix the addiction is to solve the pain. So that's where he really kind of learned about the connection. And then he really started studying it. But um, it's fascinating stuff. And I've lived it firsthand. So I can... I can say you might read it and be like, oh, this is fucking nonsense. This guy's fucking a quack. Yeah. But um, it's it's been true in, in my experience. But uh, like to relate this back to work and in our industry. <laughs> yeah, we're way <laughs> off of construction now. So. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, but, but to relate it back, it's like it's the same way I feel about, you know, when I say I want to do something, when I want to build homes across the U.S., when I want to, you know, whatever, like whatever it is, you know, I, I refuse to believe that I can't do that. And because I had this conversation with my wife years ago and I'm getting feedback. Are you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yep. Your internet's better now, but I am getting some feedback. Jody, is it, is it coming out of this, your computer or something? Did it change? I haven't moved anything. All right. I'll keep going. Um, the, we had this conversation we were talking about restaurants and you know, I, I had like casually, well not casually, but like, I was like, you know, if I ever opened a restaurant, I'd compete with that restaurant, like the best restaurant in the neighborhood. She's like, Nick, you don't know anything about restaurants. I'm like, it's not about knowing about the restaurants. It's the fact that like, I would, I wouldn't stop at anything less <laughs> and maybe I would fail. What you like. <laughs> like maybe I would fail, but it's that like, I don't, I would never go into it where it's like, you know, I just think, David Goggins is such a, a hot topic right now. I mean, big ultra marathon runner, like, you know, uh, a hard motherfucker, as he says. And it's, and it, that's his whole book talks about mental toughness and callousing the mind. And like, when you, when you, when you, when you're in pain by doing something physical, you're only at 40% of your capacity, like just talks about all this stuff. And it's like, really? It's like, so then I'm like out for a run and it's like, I'm, I'm like in physical pain. I'm like, I got 60% to go. <laughs> and it's like, who knows what, like, where did that number come from? But now it's like tricking my mind into thinking that this is nothing. Like you're just, you're just beginning to experience it. And I think that like in, in this industry, you know, 
and and let's relate this right back to being working in you know commercial construction and being driven to 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 deliver you know get something across the finish line it's like because we're led to believe that that is the right way to go about building the right way about running a company and the those that are able i don't want to say that are able to escape it but like those that don't want to be there and are able to escape it are fortunate to re-establish that path Mm. yeah Uh, to go a little backwards david goggins i feel like i'm vacillating between david goggins and like trying to be zen because <laughs> david goggins is like the like the, it the, that's so they're like the complete opposite yeah complete right? opposite so i'm like i think in the middle is almost just like a normal ass person but no no i think like i know i know what you're getting at yeah like i think you need to like be a hard motherfucker but be really calm because yeah, like you're, you back. are you're a calm you're you're a calm very like level-headed person like when you when you talk and you know, when you can kind of communicate what, what you're, you know, what you got going on. Yeah. And I think, um, to balance the, like, I am going to work as hard as I can and be the best that I can possibly be and set goals and tick those goals off and dominate or whatever you want to say, like that David Goggins kind of thing. But at the same time, I want to be not so hung up in that, that, um, I keep perspective. I mean, I I was the type of person I'd play solitaire with my grandmother and I'd fucking be angry if I lost. Right. (laughs) Like it's just uh, like, I want to win. I liked um, just, just how I'm wired. But at the same time, I want to be like, this isn't that important to Mm -hmm. me. Like I'm, yes, I'm going to be the best that I can be. And I'm going to accomplish all these goals, but it's not that important to me. I think it's like Conor McGregor. Right. Where, you know, he goes out and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And he, and he doesn't win and he moves on. Mm-hmm. He's like, whatever. Like he, yeah. he, like he, he doesn't, it's not that his world ended at that point. He's like, whatever. I still made a hundred million dollars. So in my mind, I won. I got knocked out. Who cares? But then he goes out and he's like, yeah, I'm going to kick that guy's ass. Yeah. He runs his mouth just all and he over runs again. His mouth again. And it's like, it's the same thing where it's like, he's not going you know, why would anyone go into something where, where they, they're like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get this done. Right. And I, it, again, relating it back to what we do, it's like, why would you go into a project or a job or, a, you know, a career of like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, like, it's gonna suck, but I'll, I'll just do it. It's like, well, what if it didn't like, what if it didn't have to suck? And like, what if you said, I'm going to be the, I'm the, I'm going to be the best superintendent that that company ever had. I'm going to be the best builder that, you know, the world has ever seen. Just say it. I don't like I, And you know, it, it, it sounds ridiculous. And I, and I'm sure some people are listening to this like, dude, cut, like get off the, the, the hippie shit. But like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, you know, you're, you're the mental, the mentality of what you want in life is is often overshadowed by what everyone else is telling you it should be yeah it i was actually listening to a podcast today um and the guy was on there and he started kind of digging into how people most of the time people are setting their goals um based on rules or laws you know that Mm -hmm. kind of society creates where it's like 
why aren't you setting your like your goals and what you want to do and and you know those kind of whatever your expectations are for your life for your business why aren't you setting them based on your beliefs rather than like what people say it should be um and he was basically saying that like <clears throat> if you're setting you know that my business should do 5 million after 5 years because like that's just the rule of thumb you're going to it's going to be so hard to find motivation to kind of get to that but if you if you base it on like hey I believe that we can do 5 million in sales after five years. Like you're going to set all of these goals and this motivation based on what you think in your head. And you're going to be able to validate that and support that um, because that's what you truly believe inside. And it's not just this rule that somebody made up. And it, it was, it was an interesting conversation. I think that like some of those lines blur back and forth, um, but I actually, I ended up like taking notes on the conversation some because I really wanted to dig into it more and kind of dissect it because listening to it, um, it was just an interesting conversation where it's like, yeah, a lot of times I think that we do set, set our goals based on what somebody else said we should be doing or like what those principles are rather than what we believe we can do for ourselves. And sometimes you know, those societal standards or laws are actually hurting us because they're lower than what we believe we could do for ourselves. And then like you have, you have, there's nothing really that's leading up to that. That's going to get you there. If it's just like, you need to be doing this because this is what everyone else does where it's like, well, you know what? I just believe that I can do this and this is how I'm going to get there. And then you could find that, that self-realization, that motivation to get there because it's all based on your beliefs and it's not on what somebody else told you. Yeah. Did they get into the, uh, I forget who's kind of coined it, but did they, did they get into the, like, to know your why was that, was that part of it too? To like, why are you going for that? Yeah. I think that, and I think that that kind of is <clears throat> all, you know, um, kind of intertwined there where like, if, if the beliefs are like the, why is a part of that belief, right? Where like, if you believe that you can do something, what, what's giving you, um, you know, what's telling you that you can do that is because you did this, 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 and this, or is it because you have this goal 10 years from now to be able to do this, where you're kind of, you're creating this game plan and this, this sequence that's going to get you to where you want, you believe that you can be. Um, and that's based on, you know, that's based on why that's a big, a big part of the reason, you know, that you're kind of going off of those beliefs rather than just like, here's, here's the norm or here's what everyone says that you should do. Um, it was an interesting conversation. Like I said, there was, there was a lot of lines that were kind of blended between the two. Um, but it was one of those things where I listened to, and I was like, I kind of want to listen to that again because it made a ton of sense. And I really want to like dissect that more. Um, and kind of relate it to what I've done in my own life and currently what I am doing, because I think a lot of, a lot of the decisions that I make in life are because I saw somebody else do it. Um, or because, you know, that's just like the standard or because somebody said, by the time you're this age, you should have this. And it's like, well, maybe I should scrap all that shit and throw it out the window and just yep. figure out where I want to be, why I want to be there and what I believe like will kind of 
maximize the full potential I have as a, as a human, as a father, as a husband, um, and then figure out how to get there rather than kind of what everyone else expects of me. Yeah. Those things are just arbitrary. Yeah. Right? That's an arbitrary number. 5 million at five years, completely arbitrary says who, right. And for what, and then what, what's your six. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it's, that's, that's, uh, paraphrasing a little bit, that's playing somebody else's game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the faster you can get to the point where, no, I'm, I'm playing my game and some people might, and, and it's funny, people don't like it when you do that, right? A lot of people will get uncomfortable, but I think the sooner you can deal with that discomfort, like it's a, this is a, this is a bit of a freedom that that comes with that yeah i mean i think i think it is important though like if five million at five years like if that's a personal goal that you decided on yeah let's just be clear on that like you you those should be that should be your goal yeah yeah that should be like and and because i think goal setting is important where it's like you know for me it's you know they are arbitrary numbers but sometimes i'll just throw something out there to have it stick to the wall where it's like, oh. all right, you know what? For this year, let's shoot for this number. And then when we get to the end of the year, it's like, did we hit it? No. It's like, oh, what did we do wrong? Nothing. We just didn't hit that number. We hit a different number. It's yeah. like, it's yeah. like, you know, it's not, it, it, that doesn't mean the, the, the world ends, the, the business stops. We go like, it just means we ended up somewhere different. And, you know, and maybe we adjust our goal accordingly. Yeah. I think Tyler was just saying that, um, there's these things that society puts out there. Totally, no, no, I, t- I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, but, I'm clarifying, you know, on the the sense of what you said earlier, Joe, is like talking about, you know, there it is important to set goals. Yeah, and I think um, what's realistic is a dangerous kind of phrase. Mm-hmm. And people get really uncomfortable. I had like a friend who's trying to figure out you know, he's kind of unhappy in his job or whatever. And I was really pushing him like, well, what do you want your life to be like? You know, and I said, don't tell me what job you want to have. Tell me what you want your life to be with. Like, do you want a job where you get to think big picture? Do you get, want a job that has a flexible schedule? Do you want to like, what, what do you want your Mm -hmm. life to look like and start working towards that? And like, he couldn't get out of the, like, Oh, well, that's easy for you to say, but like, you know, I uh, like, it's not, there's no path for me to have that right now. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying you have to have it tomorrow. Right. But like, and he, like, he, I'm like, well, just tell me what you want. And he like, there was such a mental block that he couldn't even say something, you know, he couldn't even. I think what you just said, like the world, the word realistic is dangerous because I think it oftentimes gets confused or used for what's easy. You know, what's the easiest thing you could do? It's like, I could just continue to go to my job and hate it. And that, and that becomes the, the realistic thing where it's like, you know, what if you want, you know, I want to make seven figures a year. Well, that's unrealistic. Why is that unrealistic? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I talk about things like that, you know, with with my, my core group and they're like, that's not, that's, that's unrealistic. You're you're in construction. It's like, what do you, you know, I can't, I can't. Yeah. I was like, based on what, like. I, you you think I'm only I'm only gonna go to work and trade my time for money? 
you know it's like yep. there's other there's other ways i can create wealth for my family you know yep. i want to i want i agree i've never heard someone say the word unrealistic is um is is a dangerous phrase but the moment you said it it i i 100 agree with it yeah and they and i think you get stuck in that framework right because what's realistic oh realistic is for me to go from a pm to a senior pm right like that's realistic right, All right well, is that what you want for your life yeah right and i also think people think it means something else like if i said five years ago i would like to be able to work for myself on my own terms that would be flexible and i'd get to spend time in the middle of the day with my kid and you know and, and choose to do you know whatever someone would look at that and be like well that's unrealistic like but you would just want to you know casually work from home and you know hang out with your kid and you know take a walk during the middle of the day and then go decide to work later in the afternoon like that's like that's what i'm doing right you know but in the moment, if you hear it, it sounds ridiculous, right? Or it sounds unre unrealistic. Right. But, you know, that's, like I said, it's it's dangerous. What do you want? And start making decisions that put you in that direction. I think if you're also, if you're moving towards something that you want or kind of something that you believe in, it's much easier to to find motivation to get you there as well because you have all you know that that motivation to get you there is all based on those beliefs and based on what you want rather than um you know what somebody else is telling you like you said if, if that's what you want to be doing in five years and you believe that you can make that happen you're going to find that motivation to get you there because realistically at the end of the day even even motivation is completely arbitrary as far as like what motivates you? Is it, is it numbers? Is it, if I make this much in a year, like that, that's just a made up number. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if this, if I can get my YouTube channel to have this many views, like that's that motivation that you're making, you're just, it's a, a false narrative that you're building in your head to kind of get you going to get there. And you could make that be anything that you want. Um, I feel like any sort of motivation, it's like, you could tell yourself that it's a beautiful day out and you want to take the half, you know, the, the second half the day off. And like, you're just writing that narrative that could be your motivation, but it really, it's nothing. You're making that your motivation. Mm. Um, <clears throat> where I think that, you know, if you're, if you're setting your goals and it's based on purpose and what you believe in and all of that stuff, you're going to have a far easier time motivating yourself than just kind of, saying, well, I, I need to get here because this is where people want me to be, um, where, you know, you can now set these unrealistic goals and find motivation to get there where it's because you, you want to make that happen and you, you'll go to any length to make that happen. Yes. Um, I think all that's correct. And then to kind of go back to, I think those goals of, you know, 10,000 subscribers or whatever are good. It's something to shoot for. It's like a dollar value to shoot for. I think that's fine. I think, um, enjoying what you do is the best motivation though. Like I enjoy doing the podcast. 
so it doesn't feel like work. But I know if I, and and I have a small audience. I go to a niche. I'm looking for people in Massachusetts that are in commercial construction. It's not a huge number, right? And I'm I'm happy with my little five or six hundred people that listen to everyone. You know, yeah, maybe there's like I get excited. You see one that hits, you know, twelve, thirteen, fifteen hundred or something like that on an episode, which is small. And but I'm. I'm fine with that. Like, that's great. It doesn't, but I feel like if I was shooting for, I have to have so many downloads or an episode or something like that, I feel like that would, I would lose motivation on that. Your um, motivation would be different. Yeah. Hmm. You know, you'd be, you'd be focused on, you, like, you'd be focused on something else. But I think that you'd be all, I mean, even to kind of go back on your mode, like your motivation for whatever you're doing is kind of whatever you say it is. Like, if your motivation for your podcast yeah. was to make money, it'd be a completely different a different story. And you could potentially do both, but right now your motivation is just about enjoying it. And that like that narrative that you're scripting for yourself, that's what gets you up. That's what gets you going. That's what gets you spending that day and a half each and every week doing that. And like that may change at some point. But that's because you're doing this podcast because it's something that you believe in and that you want to be doing, um, you know, and, and I think that with that, you can you can kind of script those motivations to be whatever you want them to be um, based on the situation and based on what you want. But if, if you were doing this podcast because somebody said you need to release this many podcasts in a year, like that's your motivation. Like I need to get to this number and there's, you know, it's very hard to kind of establish those, those little goals and those little monuments to kind of move yourself up where it's just like, it's just about a number at this point. And now like you mm -hmm. don't have any motivation from yourself to get that done other than just to hit those numbers. That's to validate or to get outside approval. Yeah. Right? Or if somebody was yeah. like paying you, Hey, if you release this many episodes, will give you this much money. And now like your motivation is just getting those episodes done to get paid that much money. And I think that like mm -hmm. at that point, the podcast is for somebody else. It's about something else. It's not, it's mm -hmm. not based on the motivation of you, you know, feeling content from doing it and being happy doing it. Yeah. I mean the joy from like, I think it's amazing that the people that I get to talk to and learn from, it's just Stunning guys that are running, you know, $2 billion companies that are sitting down and, you know, talking to me how they did it or some, somebody that's really good at some super niche category or somebody that's into tech. And I get to hear about like what they're thinking about developing this new technology. Like that's, that's a motivation and that kind of, that, that makes it easy. Joe. But yeah, I think what, yep. what what's the name of the podcast? Just so you can give a, a shout out on that. Uh, the Mass Construction Show, and it, it, it's funny we ended up doing this because Anthony um, DeBacchio. Mm -hmm. It's a funny funny story. The reason we're, we're doing this joint one is because he messaged. He's like, "Hey, he's like, Nick's been on your show. When are you going? Oh, really? On there? Yeah." Um, and that's when, like, I said it to you or whatever, and you're like, "I'm down." Um, and he was a guy who was a residential builder, mm -hmm. carpenter, 
uh, heard you uh, somehow because he was listening to you, heard about me, started listening to my show. He left the residential side and is now a commercial superintendent. And he like vacillates back between the two of ours. And there's a, a few people out there that listen, like Matt Haskins, a guy out in Minnesota, um, listens to both of us. There's a, there's a few of them out there that I've heard from over the years. Um, and I think it's just by the nature of you and Johnny both being Massachusetts people. So you've got a little bit of that Massachusetts construction overlap. Mm. Um, but yeah, the mass construction show about commercial construction and I ended up talking every now and again about this mental health stuff, food, motivation, goal setting, that kind of thing. How did that come? Like, how did the podcast come about for you? Like, you know, leaving the, uh, co- uh, leaving the building inspector, becoming a code zoning, um, consultant, like wh- where'd the podcast come from? So just being a podcast junkie myself, I felt like I learned so much about uh, health, like I've, like the food, the changes that I've made to my health from like a physical standpoint, lost 40 pounds, got rid of like blood sugar problems, all this other kind of stuff. I did that all by listening to that guy, Rob Wolf, six mm. listeners can't be wrong. Like I learned about that. I learned about money. I learned about, you know, the Gabor Mates of the world. And I'm like, huh, there's so much for me to learn. I learned about inbound marketing which I think was an amazing concept that, you know, HubSpot really kind of coined the phrase. So I'm like, I've learned about marketing. I've learned about health. I've learned about all these things. I want to learn about construction. Like I want to podcast about construction and the residential space has people in it that were on podcasts or on TV or YouTube, but there was nobody in the commercial construction space that was putting out content. Mm -hmm. Um, it was like, I remember there was the con- construction tech trio, but every episode was about construction tech. And I'm like, yeah, I want to hear about that once in a while. I don't want to listen to that every week. Mm. Um, so I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to build the kind of podcast that I think would help people learn about construction in turn would help me learn about construction. And, um, yeah, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, I'm thrilled that, I did it. I haven't lost the energy for it yet. I know a lot of people get years into it and they kind of lose momentum. I don't feel like I'm losing momentum and, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun and I, I try not to similar to you guys. I try not to have one particular topic. Like we talk about wellness and construction. We talk about energy efficiency. Sometimes the CEO, how'd you start your business, uh, or scheduling or wh- whatever the topic is, we we kind of cover it. If it's, commercial construction mostly in massachusetts and i want to talk about it mm-hmm. it's a, i what i find interesting about that i i guess aligns with what i find interesting about most podcasts when they're of a certain discipline where the people and the guests that come onto the podcast although they may all be from a specific discipline it's kind of digging into life stories um and even wellness or how they kind of became successful what their their day-to-day looks like at this point where it's not necessary necessarily about the discipline that they're on the podcast for in the first place where it's like Mm. you're just talking to somebody who's from within that industry and they're giving you perspective on on their life and kind of lessons that they've learned and you're not necessarily just digging into construction or tool belt on or carpentry 
um, where you're just talking to all these different personalities from within the industry. And I think that that those conversations are far easier to sustain and go week to week without getting kind of burnt up on where it's like the fifth week in a row and you're talking to somebody about how they started their business and you know how they've moved up the ranks and everything else where it's like everyone has a different life story and has a different perspective on what life should look like, what wellness should look like, what mental health should look like, you know, what success is. And I think kind of um, being that our podcast isn't necessarily interdisciplinary, which I feel like it could be, that is a lot of variation that we can get within our podcast that, you know, it's not the same thing week after week and it doesn't become so mundane. Yeah. You don't get, you don't get bored because the topic's always changing. And I, I often, I kind of like it for the ability. I have this kind of theory that, um, I don't know if a theory is the right word, but I look at code and regulations as a, guide about where the industry is going. So probably back when I was at the AGC, I started talking about mass timber and energy storage because you were seeing code changes happening. There was never a energy storage stand standard and the NFPA started to write NFPA 855 about battery storage. That was seven, eight years ago, they started that. Mass Timber was just starting to make it into the code. And what happens with code when it gets written is either it's the industry saying, hey, we have this product that we are selling and creating and our installers need a way, some guidelines about how to, how to do it. You have to write code. So they'll lobby to get that. Or the product is going in and building officials are saying, hey, somebody's putting batteries in their house to attach their solar panels to and their lithium ion. There's no rules. You need to give us rules. So it means that there's some movement happening there. So I was able to really learn about mass timber, learn about energy storage early on. And it's been really fun to see it take shape and have you know people like, hey, I can't believe this. I started looking into this, and now I'm seeing it happen here and there. Um, so I found that very exciting. And you can like look at things like zoning, um, you know, about additional dwelling units, size of units, where they start changing zoning across the country, um, and density. And you can kind of see what's going to happen on the housing front there. And I, I like the opportunity to see those things, do a little research on them, and then talk about the podcast. Um, and let people hear, Hey, here's what I think is going to, how this is going to play out. And it's been fun to get a couple big wins on like the mass timber and the battery storage, uh, energy storage. And, um, you know, so I'll mix it up sometimes do a solo po podcast on topics like that. And I think that does keep it fresh. I think is what you guys are kind of alluding to. It makes it easier to, to kind of stick with. Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, that just because it's a construction podcast um, doesn't mean that everyone doesn't have their own unique story that may have nothing to do with construction at all. And I think that mm -hmm. a lot of times that makes for some of the most interesting podcasts that we have where it's not just like, so really tell me what you did after college. And then, you know, <laughs> you swung a hammer for this long and then you work for so-and-so and where like, yeah, that's a different story, but it's all kind of the same story. Um, where yeah. it's, it's interesting to hear people, you know, about their background, why they made the decisions 
that they do. Um, again, the motivations for doing so and, uh, kind of dig into why, because, you know, it's, it's also, um, you know, a lot of people in, in our industry aren't necessarily making decisions to be in the industry based on making money. Um, you know, Mm. it's not like the most lucrative business to get, nobody's grows up and it's like, I want to be rich. I'm going to get into construction. Um, Mm. so, you know, the, the motivations for people getting into this are all different. And I think that those stories are also interesting because it's not just about money. Uh, it's not just because they were born into it. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people get into or why people get out of it that I find interesting as well. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're spot on there. And I'm not saying anybody found this one interesting, but this is a great example, right? We talked very little about construction, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it might be a fun thing. I'm sure you guys probably have to wrap this up soon or want to wrap it up soon. But, um, I did at one point out of own, out of my own curiosity, I asked people, I'm like, Hey, what other podcasts do you listen to? I always want to try and find new ones. And it was so interesting. I did it on Instagram and just get the responses that way. It was so interesting to see there was a ton of overlap where the people were listening to the same podcasts and it wasn't what you would think. Like I, you know, you, I kind of figured it'd be a bunch of construction podcasts Mm -hmm. and there were some people that listened to you guys and some other construction ones. And that fell into that bucket. There was a bunch of people that liked how I built this by Guy Raz. Mm -hmm. And then there was like, the Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss. So it was like kind of business building, self-improvement, construction, and one other. They all kind of fit into these little buckets. And it was interesting to be like, oh, huh. Those people that listen like it when the CEO is on and is talking about how Consigli went from a million dollars to $2 billion. Mm-hmm. They want to hear that story or how Amo Fry started his business at 60 years old. And it's now do like other people want to listen to hear themselves get better. So I, I think that would be an interesting thing for you guys to do is to float. What other podcasts do you listen to? If you're a listener of Von Grassman, what other podcasts do you listen to? And I think it would be very telling about why people listen to you because it was shocking the amount of well, overlap. I see what you're saying. Ask what, Okay ask what they're listening to outside of us yeah to understand yep. what like they're, why, why they they're listen listening to, to us yeah all right why well, let's 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 throw that out now so if you guys are listening to this when you when you go to repost this episode on monday monocrafts with monday in it you know make sure you tag joe mass construction is it mass construction on Instagram? Uh, yeah, mass dot construction. Yep. Mass dot construction on Instagram. But also ta- tag or write in, w- within that screen capture what other podcast you guys are listening to. Give us three. If you ha- if you don't have three, give us how many you have. And, yeah, and we'll, re- maybe and we'll even, repost that. Yeah, or even try a sticker. Because like, why else would there be all that overlap? Mm. I just assumed there was going to be a scatter of just all different things. Yeah. And to just see the same podcast all hopping up, I was like, that's really, like, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it was very telling. It's the same, like, I look at my, the books I read, the audio books I listen to. It's like, they're all on 
some sort of either self or business self improvement. improvement. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm listening to one right now about uh, how to raise better children. And because, <laughs> you know, my, my daughter is a very trying child. And uh, so I'm reading, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, I really want to enjoy this. Like, I really want to listen to it, enjoy it and be like, man, I'm going to be the best dad. And it's hmm. just really hard for me because it's like, this isn't, you know, like, obviously I'm interested in being a good dad, but I'm, I'm not interested in learning how the topic. Yeah. Like the topic yeah. it's like, you know, it, so, but uh, like I branch into those other things and it's just like, I just find myself coming back to the same, you know, self and business improvement focused topics. Yeah. I can't wait to see what your folks, um, listen Probably to. And if it true crime. I was just going to say, <laughs> Oh, I remember what the fourth bucket was like spitting chiclets and just like Barstool, sports kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, like sports kind of just typical guy stuff. Cause obviously my yeah audience just because the industry is gonna skew much more male. So it was like the spitting chiclets, like sports barstool, construction, self-improvement, and like building yeah. a company. They were all they fell into those four buckets. And there was no outliers. It was it was wild. That's so funny. So like, yeah, well, well let's do that. And then like you said, maybe we'll do a uh, a sticker on the story and get some votes in and we'll share that. Um Yeah, I never even thought of that. Hmm. Cuz I, I I don't know. I guess I just think everyone listens to this for the same exact reason. No, nah, I think everyone listens for different, you know. It's not like maybe some people shut it off mid podcast. You know, some people on this one would be like, what is this hippie shit that we're listening to right now? Um, just want to yeah. dig into like Where business or the numbers. Um, you know, everyone's different. I mean, I feel I tend to enjoy these podcasts more so than like talking about, you know, setting up business systems where I'm just like, <laughs> shoot me now. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just not what kind of gets me going and what drives me. And I, I'd rather... Um, for me, that seems like topical conversation where I'd rather dig into more philosophical conversation with somebody where it's like, all right, I can kind of gauge who they are and why they're doing what they're doing and where they want to be. Um, I find that to be more interesting for me. Um, but everyone's mm-hmm. different. That's not right or wrong. Yeah, agreed. I'll tell you two of the biggest, like from a listens perspective was I had two, two project managers on and I called the first one, like, you know, becoming a superior project manager. And they just talked about how they set up their jobs, how they de-scope things, how they do this and do that. Not interesting to me at all. Like I was interested, but not, not my wheelhouse at all, but like people love it. Mm. Eat it up. So like, like you're saying, Tyler, like some people like that, they just want that technical stuff and, how to set up the spreadsheet and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's for them. And those episodes are for them. And I remember like one thing that in, in perspective to put things in perspective, like I'm super small, right? I'm not, I don't have some huge audience. I'm not, you know, an expert on this, but I remember listening to Tim Ferriss one time and he said, you can't make the podcast for everyone Mm -mm. every time. He's like, sometime it's just going to be for 20 people. Right. But if you make that for that 20 people and they're the people that love that, they're now your people. Right. And that's 20 people that are going to be 100x about telling people about your show. So he said, don't do it for to try and meet the masses. Mm. 
do it for what you find interesting and you're passionate about, and those people will come. And not everyone has to be for everybody. Right. And uh, I think that was uh, really helpful for me because then I stopped worrying about what's going to get the masses and just talk about kind of what's interesting. And it's been fun for me. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that even, you know, that comes down to what your uh, what your motivation is for the podcast. And I think that, you know, if you're shaping that around the idea of what everyone wants, um, that may uh, may make for a somewhat shitty podcast because now you're just like all over the place or you're disinterested in it where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to shape this around what's interesting to me and the the guests that I have on and maybe that, that hits five different people on each podcast rather than like yeah. all 25 people, one podcast. And I think that, you know, the, the word will spread with those smaller numbers and you'll have that overlap and it'll kind of, um, you know, it'll, uh, it'll grow the way that it's meant to grow and your motivations for doing so will kind of cultivate, um, that podcast the way that it was meant to be. And for me, that just makes for a much interest, much more interesting listen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think the easy, easier route is to go after the bigger names yeah. and even not huge, right? Like even just if there's someone that has a decent present and there've been a few people that, Hey, I could get you this person on the show. And I'm like, that's fine, but I don't have anything to talk to mm-hmm. that person about. Right. Like it's okay. Yeah. Cause they have a big reach and yes, if they tweet it out or share it on Instagram or on LinkedIn, that will get that episode a lot. That's like, yeah, I could do that a lot and try and capture a lot of downloads that way. But if I don't enjoy it and I don't feel like I have a conversation to have with that person, then I don't think that's, um, uh, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, the the one di- big difference that I've met and I've spoken <clears throat> to Nick about, um, Nick does a much better job of driving conversation. If conversation's not there, it needs a direction to go. Um, where I feel like my engagement is typically, I'll like sit in the background. And if it's something I find interesting, I'll hop in or make some crass remarks. Um, but I think <laughs> that like such a big difference with guests is getting somebody on who is confident in themselves. Um, doesn't mind kind of opening up and showing <clears throat> some of their flaws, mistakes that they've made, um, you know, ways that they're, they've looked to improve themselves and getting somebody on who has enough experience to kind of speak confidently to what they've done over the years makes a, a huge difference. You know, I think a lot of times you get guests on who are unsure on themselves or somewhat green and they kind of want to pitch themselves the whole time. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't want you just to come on and pitch yourself. Like, you know, we want to hear about everything. We want you to open up, tell about struggles that you've had, you know, um, things that have helped you, things that haven't. And I think getting people on that are experienced and confident enough in themselves and their business to kind of let you in and see a side that you may not expect to see, um, has always been nice. And I think a lot of times that comes with older guests or guests that, you know, have, have been interviewed before, um, where they're just, they kind of understand the way that that conversation goes. And, um, it's, Mm. it's not, they don't have to be afraid of people seeing in. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's an interesting insight. And I should look for that myself with who I bring on. 
it's, it's hard. It, it, like to, it's reflexive to want to do yeah. that, right? They, and I think uh, I don't want. Please remember your thought, Nick. But I would say this: like you guys give so little direction on where this podcast <laughs> go. No, like and by me, little he, direction, you mean he no texted direction. me yesterday. Yeah. He's like, "What are we talking about?" I'm like, "I don't know." Yeah, and what's funny is that's I for my personality, I'm completely comfortable with that. But hey. I imagine you must have some guests Freak. that probably get the hives. Like, oh, what am I going to talk about? I got to start like so. so that's like, why, like, I hit record the moment I I get on. Like all that conversation while Tyler, we were waiting for Tyler, that's all recorded because the moment we started introducing at the beginning. It was like everything went out the window, and they were like, "I don't even know my name." It's like, what yeah, you, what pressure's you, we on were now. Just, yeah, we were just all we were just chatting for fifteen minutes, so we were like, you know what? No more formal introduction, no more countdown. Like, hit the record button, let the conversation flow. And by the time they realize it's recording, it's like they're they got they they have their flow. Yeah, yeah. I I actually like unstructured. That's kind of like if I flip the camera around, if you saw my workspace, you'd be horrified. And if you saw my desktop, well, maybe not you, Nick, but um, most project managers would be horrified if they saw my desktop. Mm. It's just like, it's not even in lines. It's just frigging folders and files like all over the place. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind that, but I, I imagine folks must really wig out if they just got to come in here cold turkey and just. <laughs> but I think that's what, like exactly what Tyler said is like, you know, the biggest the only time we struggle is when someone isn't confident in who they are. Yeah. And then it's really difficult for us to pry that out. Cause I, I deal like we're just, we're supposed to be, you know, a sounding board and then like dissect what you said and question what you said and make sure that we're like pulling out all the, the, the nuggets and the tidbits and like reflecting back to the beginning of a conversation like that. It's, it's difficult when, you know, we've had guests on here where they do a poor job explaining who and what they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and it's, that's unfortunate because I know everyone has a good story to tell and some people just do a poor job at it. Yeah. Well, some people just get nervous too. I mean, it's totally, I've had yeah. people that are, you know, running billion dollar companies and before we hit record, especially when we were in person and they're just like, they're like, Oh, I'm nervous. I'm like, what? <laughs> we're in my house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even have an office. Like right. you're in my house in my like office in the first, like, what it, like, what's it be nervous about? But they're like wigging out, right. you know, and it's not just one person. It's lots of people, you know, it's, yeah. um, it's a different dynamic. Yeah. I think most people who really want it to be structured, like, I just feel as if you structure things, people plan for it, they account for it, and then you're not getting like a genuine story um, where, yeah, you, you know, know, like you can basically, you can create whatever you want that story to look like if we hand you a list of things beforehand. And then it's like, well, that whole conversation seems shaped and forced and, uh, you know, that's not yeah, getting the elevator. Yeah. Pitch. That's and like, we get a lot of people on who want to do that anyway. And then we just take it like a completely different direction. Cause it's like, no, we don't want to talk about that. Like if we want to talk about that, you know, that's what we would have sent you. Um, and I think that the people that kind of shine in doing so are the people who are confident enough in themselves and what they've done. And they have a story to tell and they're not ashamed of it. And it's not perfect. And they're not trying to kind of, portray themselves as this perfect individual or company that makes no mistakes it's like hey no this is 
this is where we are. This is who we are. This is how we got here. And we're still making shit up. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny. The only thing I was a little apprehensive about is as we were talking, I was like, we haven't said a damn thing about construction yet, (laughs) you know, other than the beginning when we were talking about, you know, the the super enroll and the building inspector stuff. But, um, so hopefully, hopefully people enjoyed it though. No, it's cool. No, every, you know, like Tyler said, it's, you know, talking about construction is fine, but there's so much, like every one of us, like we're all in construction, but I have many other interests and I'm, and I'm, I'm still interested in learning about other like other aspects, you know, of, of how construction is related to my back pain, you know, or mm-hmm. how like, you know, my mindset, you know, again, that's why I kept re- relating it back to your career. And it's like, we're, we're oftentimes forced to think that we can't do something. So we choose not to, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, if you put your mind to it, you know, as, you as cliche as that might sound, you truly have, you know, every opportunity in front of you and if it if you fail at it you fail at it but don't don't go into it thinking that you're gonna fail be yeah. conor mcgregor that's huge <laughs> yep. McGregor. you look a little like conor mcgregor so I, you know what? i used to get that when he wasn't as big like when he first yeah. came out and uh i think i told this story on this podcast before i was out with my wife one night and i went to the bathroom and this guy followed me in the bathroom and he goes you conor and i was like <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> Like what this guy was talking about. I'm like, what? Are you Conor McGregor? I'm like, no, no, no. He goes, you're Conor McGregor. I'm like, I'm not Conor McGregor. He goes, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm like, I was like, dude, I was like, I'm not Conor McGregor. But if I was, I don't think you trying to fight a professional MMA yeah. fighter is a good idea yeah. in the bathroom here. Cause yeah. like, that's like, and that's hilarious. And I was like, no. And he goes, yeah, you don't have the accent. Never mind. And he, and he just walked away. But it was like, and then once he got big, then it was like, no, you're obviously not Conor yeah so i'm curious just before we wrap um what's the plan for the podcast for you guys i don't know what do you hope we don't i don't know this is four years right i think it's been four years um we don't know it was just like the honestly the goal is to just continue to sit down and have really good conversations more honest open conversations about everything um you know and uncover some of the stories of craftsmen, craftswomen, you know, people in this industry mm-hmm. that have taken unique approaches to the industry, that have had unique experiences that can, you know, bring the technical value, but also bring the, you know, emotional value. Um, the industry itself, I think, is, is you know, in a, I don't know if the right word, like a sensitive time in the sense like you know we there's so much innovation happening and everyone is trying to hold on to the romantic side of construction while trying to ignore the innovative side and i don't say everyone like there's a good portion of people that do where it's like we should be encouraging both and if we can if if the modern craftsman can continue to have conversations on both sides of that fence and help drive the industry just to be you know, uh, when we first started, it was to drive awareness to the industry as a, as this is a good opportunity and a good career to be in. And I think that, you know, we've, we've communicated that we've, we we're obviously making an impact, you know, even in the small, even if it's a small one, but absolutely. And not that small, but yes, absolutely. But like, but it can be, but it can be bigger. Right. 
And mm-hmm. I think that if we continue to have these open and, and real conversations, you know, again, not just about building, like this was never, it was never really intended to be all about home building or residential construction. It was, it was supposed to be about craftsmanship mm-hmm. and, you know, and we've touched on that on, on both ends and both spectrums and everything in between. And I think that we just continue, you know, like I said, to have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say, I think right now, and we've kind of um, recently been reminded of this, that it's a landing spot for a lot of uh, young men and women um, who kind of don't have a network to turn to within the industry. Um, and maybe they want to commiserate, maybe they want to look for advice, maybe, you know, they just, they want to hear what other people's stories are. So I think, you know, that, that for us was kind of to get our story out there and then include people on conversations that we were having. Um, I think moving forward, the goal for the podcast would be to, to not structure things in a conversational way, but just make it, um, more of a, uh, a system, you know, that like we show up, we do what we have to do. We get done what we have to do. We're not really flying by the seat of our pants. Um, you know, to be able to spend adequate time developing it and producing it, um, so that, you know, our time seems as though, um, you know, it's worth it for us just because, as you know, you put a ton of time into this and going on, you know, four or five years of doing it. Um, not that you're looking for anything as far as compensation or, you know, a thank you or attention or whatever it may be, but we do, we do want to streamline what we're doing and kind of maximize the time, um, maximize the efficiency of time that we're putting into the podcast. And I think kind of create, create some more professionalism within it um and just you know make it make it as legit as possible um so that we feel you know we're we're setting a a good example for the construction industry and kind of showing up with our best foot forward and um you know we can be the standard for the construction podcast to kind of uphold itself too Hmm. let me know if you have what you have success with as far as you know, the system side of things yeah. and the making professional and limiting. Cause that's, that's absolutely a challenge because I think probably part of the reason you guys are so successful is you're authentic and it's not systematized, yeah. right? It's unique and it's unique every time. And that that's probably why people love it. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't mean that you can't be better at the system side and the professional side and, um, so I'd be curious. Yeah, I think it's more on the back end too, where it's not anything that anyone's going to see, but like on the back end, you know, it's like, are you good for three today? Is Doug going to get us this? What was, you know, did you send the email for this mm-hmm. where it's just all of this coordination and correspondence or, Hey, I can't be there till three forty-five. Can't, you know, today, even, Hey Nick, I got to run out of three forty-five to pick my girls up off the bus where it's just like little things like that that you don't realize how much time and effort it takes. You know, it's not just (laughs) sitting down and recording. There's so much correspondence before. Yeah. But like the general people don't. And so I think it's a lot of that shit where it's like, you know, Hey, did Doug know, Doug didn't know that we recorded last week because we ran into an issue. Are we going to, and it's just, it's not, 
on the back end is it's not a machine that runs itself. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice, you know, to be able to make a little bit of money to put people in place that they can help on that end. And we get to show up and interview people and, you know, spend some time with our family and not on trying to get a fucking podcast put together to release on Sunday night. Um, so I think, you know, yeah. it's more so on the back end that's it wouldn't really make a difference. Nobody would see anything different or be less authentic. It's just like since day one, we've been boots on the ground trying to get this up and running. And it's like, let's put some people in place to help us with this rather than us doing all of this crap. Yeah. I was actually impressed with like the email thing that you guys send out where you can like pick a time and a date and what do you want to talk about? Dude, that took me like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, finally, I was like, all right, that's it. I got to like, like, this is so much work. We were like scheduling people last minute. Yeah, like day of. I found that, I think it's Acuity, uh, no sponsorship, but um, it's like a scheduling link. And I was like, I was like, this is so much easier. And it's just like, it, it completely like, Hey, I want to be on the podcast. Great. You look like a good guest. Here's the link. Find a date that works for you. And it's yeah, like, and even the stuff about like getting the mic, microphone yeah. and all, I'm like, yeah. I was like, this is sharp. Yeah. I should be doing this. And don't you have like an upload for image, photo yeah. and stuff like that, headshot yeah. and all I was like, dude, copy it. I just copy control C, control V, man. But I mean, if, if yeah. this were our only job, I mean, I wouldn't even consider it a job, but if this was like what we did, that'd be one thing, but we have, mm actual jobs where it's like as yes. little supplemental effort that we have to put into this on top mm -hmm. of what we're you know actually sitting here doing would be lovely mm. yeah yeah the less effort yeah the better for this yeah like we want we want to we want all our effort into the guest the conversation mm. and whatever we can automate beyond that is is good yeah and it's wild tyler when you said um it's funny i'm enjoying this conversation it, i i Tyler, by the way, very like I've enjoyed meeting you. I know Nick and I like Nick and I, you know, obviously never met you, but uh, this is, this has been great. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed meeting you, but um, you know, you talked about like, you know, not looking for like a thank you or anything or whatever, but I would say it's funny. Um, Anchor, which I publish on allows mm -hmm. for people to make donations and I think I have four people that donate, but even like the first one, like it's like five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month that the people give. I get one person that does that and says, I want to give you five bucks a month because I like your podcast yeah. that much. That is better than, you know, because my numbers aren't that huge, but getting the like 10 or $20,000 project yeah. coming my way. Like, feels fantastic it does it, it, it i think that you know th that definitely is part of it and like the the reassurance and hearing that or hearing somebody's story i'm not discounting that at all it's mm -hmm. just like our primary reason for doing it like i'm sure the same as you is not to get that you know like that that's a right. bonus that's a benefit that's amazing yeah. and I, a lot of times if it's one of those days where you're like I just don't feel like doing it today. And then like that pops up. You're like, no, I'm good. Um, yep. you know, that definitely helps when, when you're in the thick of it, 
but you know, that wasn't ever, you know, even sponsorships, that was never our motivating factor for doing this. Like it's never been to make money or anything else. It's never been for a thank you. It's never been, um, you know, it's kind of just been a lot of people have reached out and told us that it's helpful. And we've realized that we do kind of have a responsibility to people um you know Mm -hmm. that they've been they've invested and we've been a part of their lives for four years at this point um and so i I, you know it's kind of continuing along that path and you know see see how long we can ride it out for i wish that there was like this this one thing that we were working towards right but uh Mm -hmm. it's always shifting and it's always changing and life's always changing so i think we're just kind of adapting some and looking to make things as seamless as possible Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys old and gray and uh, still plugging away. <laughs> Probably sooner than later. <laughs> I think I get gray in the beard. <laughs> well, Joe, those that can, uh, just for a reminder, where can they find your podcast uh, and Instagram? Yeah, everywhere. Mass Construction Show. Uh, Mass Doc Construction on Instagram. And to be honest, probably most of my content, because I'm on the commercial side, is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, okay. And that's where, so if you just look up Joseph Kelly on LinkedIn, mass construction, uh, that's where I'm putting out. And we didn't really get into what you do from a consultant standpoint, but if, if they're local or what's your, what's your clientele base? Yeah, it's general contractors that, um, in more and more on the residential side, it actually has been happening. They're not really the core of my business, but, um, NFPA 241 plans, Mm -hmm. which are construction fire safety plans, which are a requirement here in Massachusetts. I write a lot of those. I write construction management plans, which are transportation plans, um, and then general building and zoning code analysis. Usually, the stuff next is either texting or calling me about in a panic. Um, hey, don't tell everyone it's a panic. I got <laughs> my shit phone. together, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, then you might be excited to hear. So, uh, in the new year, Mike Yanovich is um, joining me. Do you know Mike? I don't know. He was a building inspector with me in Boston. Okay. He's a commissioner now in Walpole. Okay. He um, was oh, an assistant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I know. I definitely know the name. Yeah. If you saw him, you'd know yep. him. Um, he was also an assistant commissioner in Brookline. Mm-hmm. He's really dialed in on Brookline zoning in particular. That was his niche there. Um, Just so, send me his text number so I can have him on uh, speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> You got to come through me, Nick. All right, fine. Me. <laughs> hey, Joe, I need uh, an answer for yesterday. I was just wondering if you could get that plan over to me. Maybe if you go and hop yeah. and leave uh, Joe a... Uh, Thank you. No, some um, some donations. Oh. It? oh, yeah. That's what, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I d- those four people, none of them none of them say Nick Schiffer on them. You know? Everyone knows building inspectors <laughs> take bribes, right? <laughs> Online bribes now. We have a, yeah, uh, a portal yeah. for it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like, if you tip me, I'll come out today. If you don't, then uh, you got to come in the office and reschedule to, for the, me. The one conundrum is it has to go through my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For nineteen ninety five a month, Nick, you can know, you can find out whether you need to sprinkle that uh, condo yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Joe, I appreciate uh, you being on, man. Good to see you again. Yeah. Thank you. It was nice to meet you. Absolutely. Yeah, Tyler. Very nice to meet you, Nick, as always. Take Good care, man. All right. Take care, guys. Joe's a cool dude. I'm, so I, I don't, I think I alluded to it, but I met him when I was in commercial construction, and he was the building inspector. And at the time, like I, I didn't 
we talked about a couple of episodes ago, like I was nervous about building inspectors and he would come out and we just walked the job and I'm like, you have to inspect anything? He goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, this is a high rise, man. Like this is all affidavit yeah. stuff. Like engineers are signing off. I'm just out here to just like keep an eye on things, make sure it like it's going as it seems. Yeah. And he was, he was just always super nice. And I was like, th- like, this is not what I was yeah. told. Like, um, but yeah, he's definitely, I definitely text him last minute. I'm like, Hey, so, uh, we're supposed to weld in this building tomorrow. Can you give me a 241 plan? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, you know that, uh, I'm like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'll be on, I'll come on the podcast again. <laughs> he's like, well, you're already doing that. I'm like, I know, I, I you know, what do I got to do? But no, nah, I see. He, he seems, uh, he seems like a cool guy. I, it's funny. Cause I want to say he like doesn't seem like a building inspector, but I also do know quite a few building inspectors who I feel like if they weren't on the job would have a very similar personality to him. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's just, you know, the mindset around like being it. Be- so this is a great, you know, follow up to our conversation at LBM. Like there's another opportunity to be in the construction yeah. industry and he's got a flexible schedule. He's at home gardening with his son at 11 a.m. Yeah. But he's consulting for construction. It's just, it, it's such a wide net. Um, We had one not so great review. Ooh. So I'm not going to read it. But it was, uh, they just said that we were condescending in tone. And, and if, you know, we only believe in people that have the same business plans as us. Said not impressed. So whatever. Damn. That was supposed to come. That was supposed to come through our uh, survey monkey. It didn't. Oh well. But Tuesday we got one that said, "I appreciate you guys' honesty very much," and asked when the essential craftsman is coming on the show. So I'm fairly certain I reached out to them. Um, you know what? Let's just look this up live right now because I'm. Fa- oh, I'm in, I was. In I think he has his own podcast. He does. Well, he's got an awesome um, YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh. Shoot. So they did they did reply. God bless you. Thank you. Uh they did. So I actually owe them an email. Um man, he said let's shoot for September. So I'm a little late. So let me follow up with him. So we'll get him on on, on the Wait, uh, this past <laughs> September? Yes, oh, Tyler. I, I reached I reached out in August. Uh so we'll get him scheduled. Um, and then we got another one. Thank you. Long time listener. Love the show. Listen to work at work every week. It's refreshing to hear your perspective stories and realize I'm not the only one in the quote unquote boat. We all have our successes and struggles. Keep it real. Cool. All right, man. We're signing out. I guess so. I was just thinking about how he's not very essential. <laughs> the essential craftsman. Oh, I thought when you responded to that, I thought that like you had read that review and you're like, screw it, I'll just email them right now. Like it was something that you had recently done. Oh, you're saying I didn't consider him essential. Yeah. Well, I and then I, it was know. from August. And I was My like, bad. when you said that, I was like, wait, September, it's almost January. It's, yeah. It's like it's he's talking about for next September. Like he can't you know. have that much going on. My mistake.
Mascons. That was a long one. Hope you enjoyed the show, our kind of atypical conversation we have. We weren't really talking too much construction. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you go on over and follow the Modern Craftsmen. Those guys are great. And I- anything you do on our end is great as well. Like, share, whatever you see fit. Take care. We out. We out. We out. <laughs>